What is going on? It is the Sports Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you on a Tuesday evening as basketball has arrived. Media day is over. Training camp has opened. Basketballs are going in hoops. Everyone is excited, including myself and my friend Shane Young, who is today's guest. We're going to get to Shane in just a second. But before we do so, folks, it is time to talk a little bit about fantasy hoops. Do you remember who led you to Tyrese Halliburton, Deontay Murray, Terry Rozier, and Mikal Bridges before any other rank list? That's right. It was the Brewski 150. And you probably turned those huge wins into some cash, didn't you? Great. Well, the Brewski 150 is out right now, today, right now. That is 7.39 p.m., In Los Angeles, it is out now to those that got in early. If you didn't get in early, there's still time to jump and grab your Brewski 150 now. Head to sportsethos.com, click on the premium tab to grab membership or draft guide today. And yes, to answer your most important question, the Brewski 150 is included in both options. Check back daily for more new features and go dominate your leagues again with Sports Ethos. Speaking of dominating, he dominates it. With his articles, Shane Young of Forbes, he just released an article about Kawhi and PG, and PG certainly a guy that he knows quite well, and he's back on the Sports Ethos Podcast. <laughs> Shane, how are you, man? I'm great, Brandon. Definitely appreciate the uh, awesome intro there. You're the best at it. Definitely the best in the business. I'm glad to be back on, and you know, I'm a little little concerned that we're just like three or four days away from basketball. I'm not. I'm not prepared. I know, I know, me neither. I think it's now three days away from the Clippers opener, which is crazy. I mean, it's one of those things where it doesn't feel like the season just ended, but at the same time, it feels like it's weird that basketball is starting now. I don't know Mm -hmm. if it's because the NFL is going on and baseball is coming down the stretch, and for myself, Premier League is going on, and the World Cup is just around the corner. There's so many damn sports to keep track of, and now we've got yeah. basketball to keep track of. Oh, of course. And, you know, I, all my friends always say, especially locally here where it's just college-dominated, they always say, you know, they don't pay attention to the NBA till Christmas. And, you know, it, it's hard to really blame them in some in some aspects because of the NFL going on, at, you know, in full force right now. So I don't know, but I will say, uh, this ain't the football podcast, but – uh, seeing all the uh, NFL quarterbacks, the way they're throwing, uh, I feel like NBA NBA should be the dominated one right now. And, and there's so many good storylines this year in the NBA. I mean, you just look at the Brooklyn Nets and what's going on there. And then you look at Phoenix, the two teams that everyone mm-hmm. thought were going to be the top in each of their conferences. And DeAndre Ayton comes out today and says he hasn't spoken to Monty Williams since that infamous face-to-face between the two of them, it's it's crazy. Um, and then you've got other teams that are building. I mean, Zion's back with the Pelicans, and of course the Clippers. They finally have Kawhi and PG healthy, and that's why we're here. We're here to talk about the Los yeah. Angeles Clippers. They're going to open up on Monday, October 3rd, is what I have. I think that feels wrong, doesn't it? They, they, play, they play on Friday the 30th. Yeah, Friday. It's not on the Yahoo thing. I said three days. They do play Friday the 3rd, or rather Monday, October 3rd, against the Blazers on KTLA. Um, but they do open up in three days. So what we need to talk about first is Kawhi and PG. I mean, it's the most mm-hmm. important 
uh, topic for the Clippers and their success. And it's something that the Clippers aren't used to having is Kawhi and PG. I mean, obviously all of last season Kawhi was out because of that injury that he suffered in the playoffs. What were your impressions? Because first of all, you were at media day yesterday. What were your impressions on the vibe around those two and not only their health, but also just what it's like for the two of them to be back and ready to play basketball Mm -hmm. after sitting out for so long? To me, Brandon, I think the number one word that I uh, come from media day from and and felt that it it was a good summarization of, of how everything was was comfortable. I feel like. Kawhi and Paul were just comfortable around everybody, including the media. And, you know, for Kawhi, someone like that that doesn't like talking at all, regardless if it's to family or friends or whoever it is, I, I, I think it was pretty awesome to see that he was in a lighthearted mood, playful, uh, joking with a lot of the teammates, as I wrote in my article, you know, chopped up with John Wall quite a bit. Um, I think it's just awesome to see that they are. I guess embracing this new culture, and you know, I I think you have to really point to Reggie Jackson for jump starting and and kickstarting uh, that that change and and how the team feels with, around each other, and I I really just see an openness with Kawhi. I see you know from a basketball perspective, Paul is extremely excited to get back on the floor with him because you know he he alluded to how tough and how difficult it was for him and Reggie. You know, when in the games that Paul was playing before the uh, UCL injury, um, you know, all the burden is on them to create. That's before the Norm Powell trade and everything like that. So uh, I think having more creators on the floor is something that was a common denominator that you heard from a lot of guys, but specifically Paul talking about how um, it's just going to open up things on the floor to have his guy back. And uh, I think the brotherhood between those guys is stronger than ever. This is a, a duo that, you know, you don't really see them talking a lot, but they are as close as any two teammates in the league. You mentioned talking, and it's I'm glad you did, because some of the chatter um, around Clippers Twitter today is that Kawhi's a little more vocal than he was mm-hmm. previously. And what's interesting about that, Shane, is that I've spoken on this podcast with numerous different people that didn't feel like this team outside of Patrick Beverly really had somebody that was going to be vocal on the floor and was going to hold their teammates accountable. Kind of feels like after sitting and watching everything unfold last year, perhaps Kawhi has realized, hey, in order to take this team to the next level, they need to follow me, not only by example, but also by words because they do look up to me. Does that sound like something that makes sense? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Ty Lue struggles to kind of explain this because everyone always asks him. I feel like every time someone asks him about Kawhi, the leadership component gets brought up and they ask him if he's been more vocal as a leader, uh, you know, throughout workouts and stuff like that. And Ty really doesn't know what to say because, yes, Kawhi does want to and he, he he's trying to be more vocal around the team. But still, when you talk about leadership styles and leadership traits, leading by example is still going to be Kawhi's number one. Like his his like the the way he speaks to teammates and the way he um is going to be voicing his leadership through uh through his voice like like that's not going to overtake what he does on the floor and as you said they all look up to him i mean just listen to reggie jackson talk about Kawhi, you would think he's a god out there um so 
you know, I think it's true that Kawhi wants to be more vocal, but I just think at the end of the day, he's not going to be the vocal leader for this team. He's going to be a vocal leader for the team. Um, while I, while you can point to like you know Pat Bev and, and LeBron, those guys are like they're going to hold everyone accountable. They speak up at, in games and in huddles and and practice sessions. I don't think Kawhi, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's really done that in a game. Maybe once or twice throughout his Clippers tenure. I, you know, I, I kind of rambled on here a bit, but I think John Wall is going to be the vocal leader for the team. You could just kind of, you could just kind of see that uh, that that vibe around him when he's around guys. Like he he he's a veteran himself. Like he er, everyone on the team respects him too, despite him not playing the last year plus. Um, I think he is going to step into that role and kind of help out Paul and Kawhi. So you know, I don't I don't think this team is going to have a guy like Pat Bev to really. Uh, rally or rally behind rally around but um it, i think it's gonna be by committee and, and Kawhi's gonna yeah i'm interested to see how that goes shane because if it's by committee then is one voice going to carry more weight than another and th- those voices need to be in sync you know so uh, i'm curious to see if they're able to do that and establish that chemistry where Kawhi, pg john wall like you said whether they're taking turns and being the leader there and being the guy that everyone's looking up to and listening to, or if there is one guy that does end up taking the torch as someone like a Pat Bev that is the raw, raw type of guy that's going to lead the troops. Yeah, Marcus Morris also said during his session uh, with Zubots that he is going to be uh, one of the best leaders for the team. Actually, I, th- I believe his quote was one of the best leaders in the NBA. Uh, as 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 well as uh, the top three point shooter, so uh, quite a lot of mook stuff that that we got from Media Day as well. Yeah. Uh, he's very high on himself, as he should be, I guess, and the team. Uh, but yeah, you're you're totally right. It I think eventually you're going to see maybe one voice trying to transcend the others. Um, and really, I, I don't think it could hurt this Clippers team. They need it. Um, it's not something that that's going to hold them back from winning ultimately if they don't have someone like a Pat Bev, but because I mean they should they should be top contenders regardless. But it is something that they're going to face adversity in the in the first or second round in in a few months or you know next spring, and they're going to have uh, they're going to need someone to kind of get them over that roadblock. Yeah, you just want to be careful because you just mentioned Marcus Morris too. So now that's four names that we've now mentioned as guys that are going to be <laughs> leaders. And that immediately brings me back to the Lob City Clippers. And you have Blake Griffin oh, and no. Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, all guys that want to have a say. But it does feel like, to put a bow on this one, going back to what you originally said, the comfort that this team has makes this a little bit different than the Lob City Clippers. It feels like oh, the yeah. chemistry around this team is just infinitely better than what the chemistry on the team was back with Lob City Clippers, despite the fact that that team, as J.J. Redick has said numerous times, was one of his favorite teams to play on, and they got along really well. It's just that when it came, when push came to shove and there needed to be that voice, there was just some arguing about who that voice was going to be. So that's my only concern, is that you have numerous voices and someone tries to stand above the other. You know what I think is hilarious about that is my last point here is that um, I, I truly feel like when Kawhi speaks up and says something and raises his voice and and, and puts some bass in it and, and and tries to get people to follow his actions, um, they do. They just shut up and do it. I feel like if Chris Paul did that, 
which he did many times with the Clippers in the Lob City era, they kind of gave him a smart remark or they kind of just didn't listen to him. Mm-hmm. But if it's Kawhi, I, I guess the two championships carry weight and, and all that he's done in the playoffs, like they kind of just shut up and do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's going to be important. Just, you know, there, there needs to be Kawhi that leads by example. And if someone needs a talking to, they need, they got talking to it. I'm, I'm yeah. really excited to watch this team this year. And I mean, this goes without saying Shane, but you just hope this team stays healthy because yeah. there's so much talent on this roster and they're so incredibly deep. And Ty Lewis talked about it that guys are going to have to sacrifice. And whether that is minutes or shots, these guys need to be willing to take a back seat at times. And that means that you're going to be able to have a guy like Terrence Mann that could go and play 35 minutes like he did last year, but then he may only play five to 10 minutes in another game. It just depends on what the matchup brings. And that's one thing, comparing again to the Lob City Clippers, it feels like this team is going to sacrifice and be willing to sacrifice more so than any other team because these guys want to be here. You look at Robert mm-hmm. Covington and what he has said about uh, the Clippers and now that he's at peace with basketball and how he loves yeah. the game. And you look at Nicholas Batum and what he did um, in his revitalization with the Clippers. It just feels like guys are coming here and it's a great landing spot and they're happy to be here. And if that means playing 10 to 15 minutes less than they would be on a team that's not contending they're happy to do so you know for sure and i always will go back to it's one of those quotes that is just seared into your your brain i'll always go back to demarcus cousins either during the playoffs or right before the regular season ended i believe i asked him about you know just what's it been like being with the clippers in general compared to the other stops and you know this is 2021 season and he just went on and on raving about the team, like just the, the culture, the organization, the respect level from from top to bottom. He even talked about, you know, how everyone behind the scenes, like the chefs and the, the PR people, like everyone just treats each other the way they're supposed to. So, I mean, that that was one good um, anecdote about about just the team camaraderie in general, the organizational camaraderie. But, you know, about, about your point regarding sacri- sacrifices, I, I can just kind of sense, Brandon, I'm curious if you believe this as well, like uh, – the games that Kawhi or Paul or both are going to be like announced out uh, beforehand, you know, maybe the day before the morning before the morning of like, I just feel like Terrence Luke, all these guys that are kind of like on the fringes for minutes, they're going to be happy. They're going to be ecstatic that, that not because their guys are out, but because they have a chance to shine and, yeah. and they know they deserve to have 25 minutes a night in a normal rotation. Um, Amir is even going to get those chances whenever uh, they're shorthanded, which let's be honest. They're going to be shorthanded. Like I, we, we can sit here and play the injuries. Happen. They, yeah, we can sit here and play the game. If we hope they stay healthy, this is going to be the year finally. But you know that like Kawhi and Paul are probably going to miss 20 apiece. So it, the opportunities will be there for sure. Yeah. And that's I, I agree with you. And I think you look at this team and you've got guys like Norman Powell, who has said that he thinks he can be an all star. And you look at that type of quote and you say, okay, well that seems kind of crazy considering that he's going to be the third option most <laughs> likely behind Kawhi and PG. But then you look and you say, okay, well how many games is Norm Powell going to be the number two option when Kawhi and PG or Kawhi or PG are sitting and there's going to be a decent amount. So he's going to certainly going to have the chance to rack up numbers. And then you just look at the rest of the roster and what they can do. And you look at Reggie Jackson and wall and Marcus Morris and Batum and zoo and Covington. <laughs> I mean, there's so much there. And I think this is a great time 
to bring in the question that we got on Twitter from Danny. And he said, are we in danger of overestimating how good this team is based on if we're basing it on them beating Utah now that we know that Utah was fraudulent to begin with? And it's a good question because Mm -hmm. the Clippers obviously came back in that series against Utah and did so because of some insane shooting from Terrence Mann and obviously a great game at home. But you look at that Utah team, and they got beat two years in a row with a small ball lineup. They're not that good. They blew it all up. Mitchell and Gobert clearly didn't have the chemistry that a team should have. The Clippers then go and lose to the Phoenix Suns, obviously without Kawhi Leonard. And so that's the important part for me, is that I don't think we're overestimating this team because of one They got to the Western Conference Finals and nearly the NBA Finals without Kawhi Leonard. Number two is that I think they're better than they were when they Mm -hmm. went to the Western Conference Finals. I think Robert Covington is vastly underrated as a basketball player. He's incredibly good as a 3 and D guy. I think Norman Powell being added to this roster is huge. And John Wall, who knows what you're going to get from him, but I think he's going to add something to this team as well because it seems like he as well is at peace with where he is and back in love with the sport after dealing with some stuff off the court, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But it's one of those things where it feels like this team is much deeper. It's much better. So, yes, I understand that you could think that we're overrating this team, but I think we're properly rating this team as long as they're healthy. Now, if they get hurt, yeah. different story. I mean, then we go back to the same old Clippers, and they're probably not going to get to where they want to be. But as long as they're healthy, I think we're properly rating this team. What about you? Absolutely. And now I will say I think it's a great question, and I know you agreed as well. It's it's just a it's a great question to kind of set the baseline for where you think the team is, because you do fall in danger of of overrating a team um, just because of what they did two seasons ago. You know, it's kind of crazy to think it's two seasons ago, uh, but only I guess what like fourteen or fifteen months ago. Kind of wild. Um, But for me, I'm going to agree with you that it's not overestimating. It's not overrating the team because. If you had to rate what that Clippers unit was that was facing the Phoenix Suns, so without Kawhi Leonard, who, who was hurt, and because that's the team that beat Utah, you know, I think if you had to rate that team, I would give them like a six and a half or seven out of ten. You know, I think this team's like a nine. Like I, this seems just way better. You know, and if your ten out of ten is the KD Warriors, I think they're under that. Like they're they're clearly under that, but um, talent wise. You cannot tell me, uh, you can't name me, honestly, a single team of our generation, of our de- uh, the last couple decades, that has been this talented from 1 to 12. You just can't do it. I mean, you, you get the you get the top-heavy 1 to 5, like like the Durant Warriors, that's an anomaly. But uh, now, I, I think they're just loaded with so much insurance at every spot. So yeah, if something does does go crazy during the season with injuries, they have enough to to win in Charlotte on a Wednesday night, where I don't think that team uh, without Kawhi, you know, we saw last year they won 42 games. I think this team's their floor is closer to the 50 bar. Uh, it's it's definitely a loaded unit that I just believe is going to win a lot of games and and have a lot of uh, uh, I guess energy and motivation to get a top seed because you know what were they were the number two seed under doc rivers uh, that one year and then after that the four seed um i just feel like they're they're gonna want home court advantage throughout you know what's interesting shane it feels like as good as this clippers team is the national media hasn't quite picked up on it which yeah. is very unusual 
for a team that is projected to be the favorite in the Western Conference. I mean, it, it's, I'm seeing a lot of people, by the way, not to cut you off. I'm seeing a lot of people that are that are saying, "Oh, I forgot Norman Powell was on that team." Yeah, it, it, it certainly feels like it. I mean, I'm a big Dan Patrick guy. I, I love his radio show, and whenever they bring up the Clippers, they're all very skeptical about the Clippers being a favorite. And they're all unsure, like, oh, the same Clippers that uh, that don't make the playoffs or the same Clippers that always get hurt. And, and it's because of injuries. And I think everyone's rightly hesitant because the Clippers always have an injury that comes their way, whether it's Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, or you go back and it's Chris Paul, Blake Griffin. It feels like an injury always comes. But you have to look at a team as if they're healthy. And this Clippers team built as it is currently constructed, is, I think, the deepest team, like you said, in the NBA and could easily be the best team in the NBA. And the one thing they have that not many other teams have, I mean, you look at what Boston was able to do uh, last year with all the switching and what Tatum and Brown Mm -hmm. do, Kawhi and PG are just as good as Tatum and Brown, if not better. And they went to the NBA Finals last year. So, and... It just feels like this Clippers team is not being looked at like one of the great teams. And I'll be interested to see how that narrative goes um, over the first week or two of the season, especially if the Clippers beat the Lakers in the first week. And it's so weird that that you're right. It, it's so weird that they're looked at or not looked at that way, because I'm sure you agree. Like PG last year, uh, obviously his first you know quarter of the season before he got hurt was just all NBA level type stuff. And I think the national consensus flipped on him to where obviously guys like you and I, like we understood his impact. We understood how great of a guy, great of a player he was, but I feel like everyone still made fun of him. Everyone still, you know, had, had their jokes and, and had to chime in with some negativity every time his name was brought up. I feel like last year kind of switched around. And I think now he's more universally liked. Um, I wouldn't say fully, but like I, it's yeah. definitely more than that bubble year. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the perception of PG's change and Kawhi is still Kawhi, and the team is obviously, the, the, if your number three option is Norman Powell, who shot like 8,000% last year, like I just don't know what the hesitation is from the national media. Maybe it's because Kawhi hasn't played in 15 months. Maybe it's because they think and they're projecting a drop-off. And I can't blame them. Uh, ACL tears are so tricky. Like, you kind of forget. I I guess I'll speak for myself. Like, I kind of forget that Kawhi even tore his ACL because it's been so long. I I just feel like he's he's coming back from a hiatus of nothing. (laughs) So, that you know, you have to assume that there's going to be some drop-off. But I don't know, man. The way he's shooting jumpers, I know they're wide open in practice. Just absolutely wide open shots, and you should make them. Um, The way he just is moving, I, I, I always gauge it by how quick a guy is on their first step and it looks like like that crossover into a jump shot looks looks smooth just you know again wide open practice sessions but um, i i just feel like the speed is going to be there for him because he took a full year off he's not rushing back at all this was the perfect approach for them and i i think the national consensus is going to be way lower on the clippers i've seen projections have them as like the four or five seed um i I just don't really see, unless injuries get in the way, of course, that they're lower than a three. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's interesting because you look at Paul George, and obviously he suffered a torn ACL, and he came back, and now Kawhi's coming at it. It feels like the torn ACL is the uh, 
the NBA's version of Tommy John surgery in baseball. It feels like it's a rite of passage for a lot of these guys that it just ends up happening where these guys. Uh, PG broke his leg. Oh, broke his leg. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Sorry. Sorry. You're right. You're right. Uh, I meant leg injury. It's yeah. More yeah. Of a, thing. A, yeah. A really severe leg injury. Yeah. There you go. Breaking a leg, which is worse, breaking your leg exactly. or tearing your ACL. I don't I mean they're both pretty terrible, but nonetheless, it's somebody coming back from a major leg injury and it feels like it's, it's doable. You're able to come back from it. And I want to talk about um, something that's going to be interesting to watch this season. And you want to obviously look at this team and say, okay, so what's going to happen? Who's going to start? Who's going to be on the floor together? And mm-hmm. I don't think we can answer that question because it feels like it's going to vary game to game. And you look at the small ball lineups, and that's something that's been brought up so far in the first couple of days, both yesterday in media day and today in training camp. And there was some talk of Terrence Mann possibly playing in that Bruce Brown role, as Justin Wilson of LA Clippers film likes to say. Um, yeah. That could possibly be something that happens. Zoo is obviously the traditional center, but there's been talk about him uh, coming out early in the first quarter so that he can join the second unit in the second quarter and help them rebound. Ty Lu mentioned that today. And then there's talk about Norman Powell. Like I said earlier, he thinks he's going to be an all-star, but will he be the sixth man? Will he start at shooting guard some games? It feels like with this team, there's more questions than answers right now. We don't know who's going to start of Batum or Marcus Morris. We don't know how much Luke Kennard is going to play. And Marcus Morris, everyone forgets, is one of the best three-point shooters. Same with Luke Kennard. There's just so much this team has. I think one of the biggest storylines coming into this training camp, and correct me if I'm wrong, Shane, is that there's a lot of unknowns. We don't know how (laughs) this team is going to work and who's going to play together on the floor, which I think is something that you don't normally see with a team that's projected to win as many games as the Clippers. It, does that concern you, or is it something that's more intriguing than concerning? Well, it's way more intriguing than concerning. Uh, if it was Doc Rivers leading the team, it would be concerning. I just wouldn't have trust or faith that he could figure it out. Um, but, you know, Ty, Ty Lue said at Media Day that his mind was going crazy over the summer because he had so many ideas that – he had them on paper and he had them in his head, but like you can't, you can't put them into practice. You can't get everyone on the floor together. Obviously people are doing their individual workouts and such. So I just feel like because he said that I immediately, as I was sitting there, was thinking, yeah, the first 20 games, maybe that's even, maybe that's even less. Maybe you go to Christmas, maybe you go to the first 30 games. It's just experimentation. Uh, and, and, and I'm totally fine with that because of how deep they are. If this was the, 2019 20 team where you have like liabilities out there like a Trez or like a Lou will um, just for different defensive purposes. I wouldn't like as much experimentation with stuff, but I feel like now because you have really no weak links as PG said at media day, like they just don't really have any weak links out there. Um, now, of course he's not going to say this, but you know, Luke Kennard defensively <laughs> is a bit of a weak link and, yeah. and others, um, you know, maybe, maybe Reggie out there as well and too many lineups, but I feel like you get you get to Christmas, Brandon, and whatever the lineup data says from there is kind of what you lean to for the final, say, I don't know, what is that, 40-plus games of the season. So, I mean, Christmas is going to be my barometer. Where they are record-wise, record wise, where they are in terms of their offense and defense 
and kind of what they're doing um, in terms of minutes between, you know, is John playing more than Reggie? Um, is Kawhi playing the four at all? I, I do expect him to play the four. I know Clippers Twitter has pushed back on me on that, but um, I, I'm still expecting him to go at the four a lot while they try out all these different guys at the five. Yeah, I think that's certainly valid. I'm surprised people are pushing back at you. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer that we're going to see a Wall, Powell, PG, Kawhi, and like a Covington or a Batum or a Morris type of lineup. It feels like that's a no-brainer that's going to happen, and that would mean Kawhi plays the four. And we could sit here and we could have a conversation. Okay, so who do we think is going to start? Marcus Morris or Nicholas Batum? You don't know. You and, and don't we, know. we really don't know, and I, I think it's a waste of time to sit here and try and figure out who's going to do what. Because last year we looked and we saw Ty Lue went with 10-game sample sizes, and Reggie Jackson didn't play in a 10-game sample size. It feels like that's what he's going to do again. He's going to go with a 10-game sample size. He's going to see how a certain rotation works. He's going to see how certain guys gel together and go from there. Now, And I'm already prepared, man. Like I'm already prepared for people to be calling for Ty's job if they lose games they're not supposed to lose because he he went small against a big lineup and they got killed on the glass. You know, like, that, it's that stuff that really irks me about social media. I know I'm trying to go on a rant here, but, like, it, it's really annoying whenever you see a coach that's clearly trying to gain an advantage somewhere else and it kind of backfires, and then they obviously – think that he can't coach anymore you know it's stuff like that that's that's going to be annoying in the first quarter of the season yeah no i agree and i think it's way too early to judge anything i think the clippers will be fine they have all the talent in the world as long as they're healthy and i've said that a bunch of times already in this podcast (laughs) then and and that's the key then they're going to be fine i want to talk about the john wall versus reggie jackson aspect but i don't think it's right to go into that before discussing john wall and what he wrote and the mm-hmm. Players' Tribune article that he wrote about the mental health that he struggled with and the possibility of debating suicide and how he had a lot of stuff going on that we didn't know about. We didn't know about the infections that he got from his surgery. We mm-hmm. didn't know about his mother passing away and what that impact had on him. And it really feels like we're going into this season, and this kind of goes with the theme of the pod, having no idea what to expect from John Wall, because it certainly could be a guy that is back to the form that he had three or four years ago, but it also could be someone that, you know, Reggie Jackson's better than, and he's not playing very many minutes. But it feels like the most likely scenario is something in between. What's the vibe that you got from John Wall and the discussion about him from his teammates yesterday during media day? Well, yeah, yeah. first off, I thought what he wrote was powerful just because, like, again, the unknown. Like, we didn't know about all that. And and I think it, it, it actually put in perspective that you should be very careful what you say about about people and players, but more so like people that you don't know what's going on. Um, because you know, whether or not it's a whole nother discussion, whether or not these athletes should be, um, engaged on social media and, and, and reading everything that is said about them, you know, PG has got, has gotten into his head about that type of stuff as well in the bubble, but like they do, and you're not going to, uh, stop that. Like they're, they're going to see things that you say. So I think people should be mindful of what, of what they're talking about. And, and again, you never know what someone's going through and, and that, 
really hit home for Wall. Um, and, and, you know, it helps that other players on the team have gone through that stuff as well. Like Robert Covington, uh, who he sat with next to me, uh, day do it for his press conference. Um, you could tell they both kind of shared that bond about going through some mental struggles and getting over the hump. And, and I think that that's going to help John being on a team that always has his back from a head coach that is more like a brother and like a, a, a big brother to these guys than a, coach that you kind of get that sentiment up and down the roster because he's not you know this this older guy that's kind of barking orders he's kind of you know he'll he'll visit you at your hotel room and see how you're doing checking on you that you know that's just the tyloo way i feel like just the entire atmosphere is going to lend itself to having or to wall having the best he's had in a while just because of that um and that's before you even get on the court so first i thought that was awesome that he did that and, and, re- and was transparent about it it's not, not something he even had to do um, so I'm just grateful that he kind of shared it. And then also like, I, I think he, he's turning a corner in his career where I, I think I was on this podcast or I was somewhere else. And I said, like, I, I'm really hoping he don't come in and try to dictate who's starting or kind of like say, I'm going to be the starter and I'm going to get this many minutes or I'm going to be unhappy. He really does. And I think it's genuine. I'm going to, I'm going to believe it's genuine until it's not. I believe that he is going to accept any role. And even if that's like, hey, you're playing 15 to 20 minutes, which I don't think will be the case. Like from everything we've seen in training camp, he looks he looks like he looks speedy. He looks he looks healthy. He looks fast. He looks healthy. Like I, I just think that he's going to be a, a main rotation player now. So I'm kind of kind of changing my tune on, on the John Wall stuff. I was kind of down on it at first, but um, I, I'm feeling like he and Reggie is going to be some good um competitive company competitive fire there for that starting spot so um i I guess that was just a long way of saying like i I think it's going to be great for the team that reggie and john have that bond that they are joking all the time with each other um and and, you know always high-fiving always you know talking and and yelling at each other during their press conferences um i I think it's going to be great that they're going to have a little bit of juice to see who gets more minutes it's funny because you look at the Lakers and they've got obviously Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook and now you've got John Wall and Reggie Jackson with the Clippers. And yeah. There, there's two uh, guard battles going on in Los Angeles. And with the Clippers, with John Wall, um, I, I think that you look at how much he's being paid and I think that's a weird thing to say, but him taking the money he took, I think certainly is acknowledgement that, hey, he is not that max guy anymore and he is here to just try and win and whatever it does take. And you can't compare him to Russell Westbrook. And be, even though they're both speedy guys and they both have the explosiveness and they both could be bad shooters at times because it feels like the Clippers won't let John Wall get to the point where yep. Russell Westbrook got, where he was trying to control the offense and he was doing things that hurt the team. I don't think that'll happen with the Clippers. I think like we said in the beginning of the podcast, there's so many different guys on this team that are willing to speak out. And you have Ty Lue as a coach that's willing to make changes. I don't think it'll get to that point, which is a big difference than what Russell Westbrook obviously facing with the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, yeah. John has not only does he have uh, the self-awareness, I think now in Washington, it kind of felt like he was. Um, I don't even know the way to say it really like it, like I just feel like he he kind of like he really dictated what was going on and it was going to be hard to really say anything to him. But now, as you said, the salary, 
um, the role, the environment around him, just the team, like all, and all his friends. I feel like he has a lot of friends on this team. Like, you know, if, if things got to a certain point, uh, he would either be talked to or, or Ty would just change the rotation. And that'd be the end of that because Ty, Ty we've seen, man, Ty does not care. Uh, even his the guys that he loves the most on the team, he's going to tell them, hey, man, it's not your night. OK, so let's get into it. John Wall or Reggie Jackson, who ends up being uh, who do we think ends up being the starter? Because I, I, honestly, I have no idea. I, I really don't think uh, we have any clue whatsoever. Reggie Jackson, certainly chemistry-wise, fits very well with this team. But that yeah. being said, I think that John Wall has been a starter for almost all of his career. And it, it could make sense to have him be a guy that works with Kawhi and PG and gets him on track to start, where we know Reggie Jackson can cook and either as a starter or as a bench guy. So I, I honestly... I have no idea who I'd like to see start. I think I'd kind of like to see Reggie Jackson start just because he, I think he's earned that based on what he's done yeah. the last couple of years. So I would lean Reggie's way. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so John has started 601 of 613 games. He's only come off the bench 12 times. I think it's because of injuries. Um, man, so I, I remember doing a Spaces. Uh, I was talking in the Spaces with Tomer and Justin Russo, and I – Said that Reg, I said basically what you just did. I echoed that. I said Reggie deserves a start until he doesn't, because of him leaving that team last year. Yeah, he was inefficient because he was in a difficult role. But I just feel like now spacing Reggie, catch and shoot Reggie is going to be awesome. I think he's going to shoot over forty percent from three and going to be dynamic for them. But if you're asking me who I think will start, I think it'll be John Wall, and you can just kind of feel it because. I always kind of go by like when when Tyloo talks or when Kawhi or PG whoever is talking about the team and, and and the things that are their strengths now. John is always mentioned. John is always mentioned as this like transition killer that they didn't have, um, as this downhill passer. You know, could get into the lane and and spray out for corner threes. Yes, Reggie can do that. I just think John does it even better. Um, and, and, you know, I've kind of flipped, I, I think, um, although I want Reggie to start for the continuity and, and, you know, he's going to make it so much easier for Kawhi and Paul to get into the paint just because he's, he, he's a threat. And, and I think defenses will respect him a lot more than they will John Wall on that perimeter. Um, I think they're going to go with John to start just because, uh, just to see how it looks as we, as we said at the top of this, like, you know, experimentation. And that doesn't mean that John starting the first 10 or 20 games means that's going to be what it is in the playoffs. But I think they're going to want to get that look and, and see like, okay, is this for real or, or is he going to be relegated to the bench? Yeah, it, it's definitely the storyline to watch in training camp and who ends up getting the nod. And we spoke earlier, the first game is, in just three days, and it is indeed on Friday. And the reason why you go to the sports app on Yahoo and it doesn't have them playing the Clippers is because they're playing an Israeli team is why um, they're not playing an NBA team. So they have a game on Friday against an Israeli team, and then they play. So when they, lo- so when they lose that game, Twitter can overreact? Yep, exactly. And then October 3rd is when they play against uh, old friend Chauncey Billups and the Blazers. So those are the first two games of the preseason for the Clippers. Fascinating to see what happens with John Wall, Reggie Jackson. And and honestly, I think it just depends how John Wall looks. If John Wall, Wall, yeah. Wall looks good, then there's a chance he starts. If he doesn't look like um, a guy that's going to be a major factor, then I think it's an easy decision. I think you start Reggie Jackson. So I, I, I don't think 
it's worth even debating right now until we see them play some basketball. I don't think it's worth debating whether we see oh, no. Marcus Morris or Nicholas Batum as the starter because we we just don't know. I mean, it's very possible Batum probably is the starter, but both those guys were happy coming off the bench last year, and frankly, it's going to happen all year where Batum's going to yeah. come off the bench some games and Marcus Morris will come off the bench others. If I could point out one thing that we that I'm not sure we're going to get into at all, but like something that does concern me for no particular reason, like we obviously Batum talked today. He didn't talk at media day, so I wasn't around him. But um, I have no reason to believe this. But I, I just I kind of feel like maybe they should be really cautious with Batum this year. Um, I feel like he's yeah. had a really good string of, of injury luck, although he has some he has had some nicks and, and bruises and and things that have kept him out of games. But I, I just kind of, I just kind of get a sense that they need to take it easy on him because he's getting older. And if you remember, Brandon, like he looked cooked in Charlotte, yeah, absolutely cooked. And that was three years ago or two, yeah. two years ago, something like that. Like I, I just feel like maybe um, he shouldn't play as much as the consensus believes. Well, and Morris has been hurt the last couple of years. I mean, he's he's yeah. been battling what knee issues, right? And so it's one of those things where with this team. You have the ability to limit these guys. And so we're going to see games where Marcus Morris sits out. We're going to see games where Marcus Morris gets limited minutes or Nicholas Batum gets limited minutes. So you're going to see everybody. They have a deep team for a reason. And so debating who should start, it really doesn't matter because it's all about who closes for me. Exactly. Who's going to close. And that's the key. And who's going to be there in the postseason as the eight to nine guys that Ty Lue can trust. And I think that's really what matters. But what, matters now is that the Clippers are healthy and that it seems like they're enjoying playing together and being together. And then Kawhi and PG are back as that one too. And they've got the depth around them and John Wall, Reggie Jackson, Robert Covington, Norman Powell. I mean, there's just so much there. There's a lot of excitement that I think people should have about this team, Shane. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, I think you said this at the top of the show, like all the other media days around the league and, Clippers and Denver Nuggets were the only two that were kind of like joyous or around the Western Conference, I should say. The only two that kind of had nothing bad come out of it or nothing that was like, oh, wow, that's interesting that they said that um, in a bad way. So, I mean, you know, Phoenix, I still believe they're going to be a a really good uh, regular season juggernaut um, if they get this DA situation under control. I think Dallas will, you know, obviously have probably the best player out of all these guys. Luka's just amazing. And like Golden State, that's another team that you know, defending champions. You you didn't hear anything bad about them because uh, obviously they, they lost depth pieces, but they're going to be back and, and right in that mix again. So I mean, Clippers, Denver, and Golden State seem to be uh, sailing pretty smoothly right now. Yeah, you got New Orleans obviously with that depth, and I mean with Ingram yeah. and what they could bring with Zion if he's healthy, and they've got a good team. So there, there's a lot out west. To be fearful of, and then of course look at the East. You still got the Celtics, you got the Nets, you got the Heat, you got lots of teams. The Bulls, there are a lot of teams there, and so it seems like this is going to be a good year for the NBA. Shane, we're going to close it off with this one. I think that's a great place to finish it off. I want you to tell me what you're writing about. Where can people read you? I want you to sell yourself to the people because you deserve to be read as much as possible. I don't know about that, but I definitely appreciate your kind words, man. And uh, yeah, I just wrote something about two hours ago, finished it up as a, you know, kind of a, a summary of Kawhi and Paul at Media Day and, and just the vibe I got from them as being being better leaders for the team, um, capitalizing on this championship window that, that we 
that we kind of established that this team has because uh, you know Kawhi and Paul are not spring chickens like they're they're getting up there they're still in their you know early 30s but uh, before you know it, it it'll be the, the window will be closing so I think it, it's definitely mature for Paul to acknowledge that um, he seems very self aware so uh, I kind of wrote all about that you can read it on Forbes Sports um, I'll have more as training camp goes along but. More so for me, I'm kind of just waiting around for the regular season so we can get um, stuff to break down. You know, I, I'm all about film breakdowns, man. I, I love the nitty gritty of, of what goes on the court. So uh, sometimes I'll play the narrative game. Sometimes I'll I'll do the storyline stuff like I've been doing the last couple of days. But, uh, yeah, for the season, just wait for my breakdowns. He's friend of the pod, Shane Young. You can follow him on Twitter at YoungMBA. You can read him on Forbes Sports. He'll be back plenty of times throughout the season. A great fella, Shane. Always appreciate you joining. Thank you, Brandon. Have a good one, man. So for Shane at Young NBA, I'm Brandon Marcus at BD Marcus. You can follow the Coopball around the Ethos Clippers podcast at Ethos Clippers. Of course, go ahead, hit us up. Let me know what you want to hear about. If you've got any questions, feel free. Tweet at me at BD Marcus. Rate and review the podcast. Always helps. And of course, don't forget the Brewski 150 is out now go win your fantasy leagues he's shane i'm brandon until next time go clips